Welcome to the Global Business Insights Podcast, brought to you by PSL. I'm your host, Max Kent, and I'll be joined by my co-host, Dr. Charlotte de Brabant. In Series 2, Beyond Business, we delve into the captivating journeys of the world's most exceptional business leaders, entrepreneurs and professionals. Our mission is not only to ignite inspiration and knowledge for the next generation, but also to illuminate the path for those currently navigating challenges. Join us as we uncover the remarkable stories that transcend traditional business narratives and offer a beacon of hope and guidance. Hey guys, thank you so much for tuning in for our first podcast of our second series, the Global Business Insight Podcast Beyond Business. And today we are thrilled to have a very special guest on the line to share his personal journey and accomplishments with us. And I'm I'm really glad, um, Peter, that you got to have uh, that you took some time to to sit with us today. Maybe we can just kick off by. A quick introduction, if you would like to just introduce yourself to our listeners. Yeah, sure. Uh, Charlotte and Max, thank you for having me today. It's a pleasure to be on your podcast. Um, so I'm Peter Coppinger. I'm the CEO of Teamwork.com. Um, I've been on my, I suppose, my entrepreneurial journey since I dropped out of college. And back in 1999, we built an agency, and that's when we spotted the gap in the market for um, you know a serious operating system for agencies. Uh, and we built teamwork.com. We've been on this journey probably for 10 years or so now. And uh, yeah, continue to learn and evolve every day. Our goal with teamwork.com is to help agencies and professional service companies worldwide to grow and thrive and scale. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for being here. And let's just kick off with our questions. Peter, you, yeah. you started your whole software entrepreneurship career at such a young age and it's 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 really truly impressive maybe you can share a defining moment or experience from those early days that very much sparked your passion for software development and entrepreneurship and how that passion really continued to drive throughout your journey now with teamwork sure no problem right uh trip down memory lane so back when I was nine or 10, my cousins had a, they had a computer and I was just enamored with it. And I, I begged my mother and she finally got us a Commodore 64 for Christmas. And what was great about getting a computer back then was that it actually came with a manual. So every single computer came with a manual that taught you how to program it. And when you were sick of playing with the games that came with it and you were bored, you'd eventually look at the manual and start kind of fiddling around with things, right? And it was from that fiddling around that I fell in love with the art of software development and programming. Um, and, you know, by the time I was 15, I was releasing shareware games on local uh, PC magazines in Ireland. And I used to um, sell the full version of the game by mail order. So I think I was always kind of into entrepreneurship, even at a young age. My, I remember my mother asking one day why I was getting so much mail. And she was shocked to learn that I had a small business operating out of my bedroom. And uh, I suppose I had a lot of other um, software endeavors before I got to college as well, doing software for local companies and so on. So I couldn't wait to get to college and kind of inspired by Bill Gates, couldn't wait to meet other like-minded people and, you know, set on my path to building a large uh, global software company and making my own small dent in the world. And it was at college that I met my co-founder, Dan, and he was probably the only other person I'd ever met 
who had kind of similar ambitions. Around then, the internet was happening. And uh, literally while we were in college, this new thing called the internet was just after coming out and everybody was wondering what websites were and so on. I Before I met Dan, actually, I was going around to every restaurant, bar, pub, you name it, hotel in my city, trying to sell them a website. And often they would say, what's a website? So you have to first explain what that is. Um, and then one day I heard, weren't you in here yesterday? And I started hearing that more and more. And it turns out there was somebody else in the city doing the same thing. And that turned out to be Dan, who we went on to be, we were mortal enemies to begin with. And then we finally met him. We became good buddies. Um, so he had the same kind of bug for software and for entrepreneurship as well. And he likewise had never met somebody with exactly the same mindset. So we, um, you know, with this kind of side business in college, we eventually said, what are we doing? And we dropped out of college and we created a consultancy. We thought there's easy money to be made cranking out websites for people. So um, it was, it was kind of like, we kind of fell into the client services, uh, into client services without any major plan. And then eight years later, we found that we would one of the most successful agencies in Ireland doing a lot of work for multinationals such as Pfizer and Lilly. Um, but we, we made every mistake in the book along the way, because we really were just figuring it out one step at a time. And that's ultimately our experience in the agency world is really what led us to spotting it, that the client services world is being underserved and led us on the path to creating teamwork.com. That's amazing to hear. And obviously Commodore 64, I had one of those and uh, Spectrum as well. So I remember some of the games as well and yeah. the cartridges for it. That was Commodore 64 was the one that had the cartridges as well as tapes, didn't it? Yeah, so, you were doing very yeah. well if you had the cartridges. I mostly absolutely. had the tapes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, oh, the, yeah, they were precious, weren't they? More expensive. So <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But yeah, it was uh, tapes you could go around your mate, mate's house and uh, anyway, probably not go yeah. down that route, but <laughs> Mega as well, not Atari. So yeah, so yeah, absolutely understand. Yeah. Yeah, so same sort of journey, I'm sure, and um, in, inspiring to hear as well. So, um, I mean, building a software consultancy like Digital Crew um, that you built, um, that must have been a tremendous learning experience. So can you share maybe one of the more challenging projects you took on during that time? And um, I think that will really help us understand how you shape that approach to working with those agencies and um, that approach to maybe customer satisfaction and service and how that carries through to what you do today. Yeah, I think I'll just share some of the background if you don't mind. Um, so like we, we, so we dropped out of college in 1999 and we really didn't know what we were doing. We were a bunch of nerds and we loved, you know, making websites and doing software development. But I guess running an agency taught us the human part. You know, it taught us how to listen, how to pitch for work, how to price that work, how to interact with actual humans, and how to listen, and all about ultimately delivering value for our customers. So I think it's a great crucible to kind of hone your skills, especially working for yourself. Uh, about a year into running our consultancy, we got our first big lucky break with Pfizer. And they weren't happy with their legacy consultants, and they asked us to come in and do a small project for them. So we always had ethos of going above and beyond, and we absolutely went above and beyond in that small project, and we delivered a really good project for a really good price. And from that moment on, we got all the internal projects for Pfizer and Cork, and then in Munster, and then all of Ireland. Uh, and that kind of led to really building our reputation. Um, and then 
you know, I suppose from there we started to get all the universities and all the other multinationals and we got little and so on. And we eventually ended up with more work than we could handle. I think part of this as well was that in the early days when a customer called us at 6 p.m. asking for a big change or an extra feature or just to add some small little changes to the end of a project, we would often wow them by having that change implement, implemented by 9 a.m. the next day. And we had no problem working around the clock to delight our customers. And I think it's one of the key things that really helped our reputation grow. And um, and that, that ethos, of, ethos of always delighting our customers is something we try to continue on into the product world. Now, I might just tell a little side story here, actually. One, it, it actually kind of nearly hurt us in a way because um, we were always going, we were getting bigger and bigger and we had a great reputation and we had more work than we could handle. But actually being too nice actually ended up nearly putting us out of business. So we were getting bigger, taking on more and more work, but at the end of the year, the profits were never there. So it took us a long time, you know, making all the mistakes, but we eventually wisened up. One January, we ended up telling all our customers that we're doubling our prices. And I'll never forget one customer saying that they knew this day would come and what took us so long. And from then on, we also started tracking every single moment we spent on projects and charging for all the extra work. And it stunned me. I remember to this day that all the customers had absolutely no problem with paying us what we, were, what we were worth and for all the extra value we were delivering. And suddenly we went from being a kind of uh, uh, a successful agency only in name to a successful agency also on paper and thriving on both sides. So yeah, again, again, I suppose it's that, um, that mindset of always going the extra mile for our customers is something we took with us when we eventually built teamwork.com. And like for the first two years, Dan and I did all the support and we always went the extra mile for our customers. And again, you know, feature requests would come in at 8 p.m. at night and we'd often have that feature implemented by 8 a.m. the following morning and we'd win a customer for life and wow them. And that's a kind of ethos of going the extra mile and really caring about our customers that we still try to continue to this day. It's one of the things that kind of helps us stand out in a saturated market. A lot of our competitors say they have excellent uh, support and customer success, but I think we really do. And I think it's one of the things that has helped spread word about Teamwork.com via word of mouth. Peter, thank you so much for sharing. And um, from, from running Digital Crew to now leading Teamwork, your commitment to lifelong learning is is completely evident. Um, what are some of the key lessons or, or skills you've acquired along the way um, that have been very much instrumental in making teamwork a category winner in the software industry, in your opinion? Um, so Charlotte, I think um, one of the first things is I had to transition from being a programmer to actually being a CEO. So I was the CEO in name. We got to about 50 people. I was head down programming all the time. And then it was around 50 people that we started to have cracks in the business, communication challenges in the business. And one day I had that epiphany that all these challenges in the business are 100% my fault because I'm not actually being a CEO. I'm just programming every day. Um, so it was with that kind of realization that I went on this journey to become the best CEO I could be of a software business. And one of the lessons along the way is that the positions that report into you I used to think you'd let the salesperson do their thing, you let the marketing person do their thing and so on, right? But I learned that, at, no, actually, as if you want to be a great CEO, you need to know enough about their functions 
that they can never pull the wool over your eyes and that you can ask some really challenging questions and you really are on the pulse of what's going on. So if you want to be a great CEO, you got to be learning all the time. And for me, I've always found that the just two of the best sources of learning are always books and also asking, reaching out to and asking for advice from people that are on a similar journey but are ahead of us on the journey. It's fantastic advice. And certainly I've, you know, myself and Charlotte, you've obviously been in our own projects and and startup businesses challenges. So know what uh what that entails and um I think you're absolutely right with that. And that's great advice for anyone looking to um go into any kind of strategic management or, or director level position. Hopefully if they're looking to get uh, get up in their career then that's definitely the sort of um, advice they should be looking to to work with and, and plan ahead with. Um but as an entrepreneur, I'm certainly going to get setbacks and obstacles, and they're inevitable and um, character building, some would say. Um, <laughs> um, any uh, difficult moments you faced while building teamwork that you uh, would like to revisit for us at all, um, you can bear to touch. And uh, how do you manage to stay motivated and overcome those kind of challenges when you're going through them? Because it's not easy, is it? Yeah, it's de definitely not, not easy. Um, great questions. So look, I think you look at some companies in the media and it looks like they've had just this straight path from zero to a billion dollars in revenue with just in a straight line, right? I think the reality is on the ground that every company's journey is a series of ups and downs and the ups will degrade and the downs will be miserable and you just have to struggle through it. That's the reality of life actually, right? Um, I think there was a great saying, I think it was the founder of Shake Shack. I was listening to him on a podcast a few years ago and he said, business is just about solving problems. And I remember that really sticking with me that literally that's all it is. There's a new problem in front of you every other day. And it's just overcoming that problem one by one by one by one and breaking it down into bite-sized problems. And that's that kind of ethos has really helped me stay focused, I suppose. I mean, we've had we've had a hundred uh, challenges along the way you know even back when we were a web development agency there was actually a third founder and it was when we were kind of in this uh, cycle of endless work but not actually making profit that you know after a few years in this third co-founder turned on one day and he said i'm moving to australia i'm packing this in and that was a that was a really tough blow on it but it was actually the catalyst that caused myself and dan to have a good hard look at the business and you know we realized that we were being busy fools and it was the kind of pivotal thing that we needed to see to allow us to um, to charge for more and to value our work. I think as well, you know, when we first started selling teamwork, we built teamwork for agencies. And when we first started selling teamwork online, it was really interesting. We started having every industry in the world using teamwork. We had mining companies, we had marketing companies, we had manufacturing companies in different countries all over the world. And we used to think that was a great thing. And one of the learnings along the way is we were just being pulled as a bootstrap company, we were being pulled in a hundred different directions by a hundred different industries. And one of those key learnings that took us, it caused us a lot of pain, but eventually we wisened up and learned that actually we're much better off to focus. And when we stopped and looked at it, our best customers for teamwork.com have always been agencies and professional services companies. But um, you know these learnings; these learnings can be painful sometimes, but they're they're all a necessary part of the journey. But since then, we've um, we actually a couple of years ago we took the decision 
to really refocus on our roots and to build out the best client work platform in the world, which is a journey we've been on because we feel that there's a million project management apps out there, but they only solve one small part of the client work lifecycle. You know, they, they really don't help you with planning the work, resource managing the work, you know, managing the financials, the, the rep repetition stuff, the retainer management and so on. So they kind of help you with the project delivery, but not at all with the, with the operations. So we, we set on, out on this mission to, um, I suppose we have to get in a, go through a bit of pain to get there is my point, but eventually you, you come out the other side and you kind of see, get that epiphany and you see actually this is where the real opportunity is. And since we doubled down on um, solving client work a couple of years ago, we've gone from strength to strength and I think we're in a great place now. Perfect. Um, Peter, maybe we, one, one, one final question from my side. Um, making positive impact on the world is, is just a remarkable goal. And how do you envision teamwork contributing to a more positive and impactful future, not only within the software industry, but also in the whole broader context of society? Yeah, I have lots of thoughts on this. So. Um, I, th I think, first of all, you have to start with our values, right? So we were probably 100 people. We never had codified and written our values on paper. And one day, my co-founder, Dan, and I, we locked ourselves in a hotel room and we sat down. We said, we're not leaving this room until we figured out our values. And we, we you know, we did some real uh, soul searching about what type of company we want to be and the impact we want to make in the world. And do we want to be a small company or a big company? Do we care about giving back to society? Do we not care about giving back to society? And we left and, and we set uh, some really strong values that are still the exact values we have today, probably 10 years later. Um, one of the things we decided that it's not enough to just make money. We have to do our little bit to make the world a better place. So one of the things we committed to way back then was even as a bootstrapped company, not doing that much revenue back then, we said, we're going to give a percent of our profits every single year to good causes. And it's very deliberately not charities. It can be charities, but it's not just charities. It's anything that makes the world a better place. And one of the things we decided way back then is it's not going to be Dan and I that are going to decide where this money goes. It's going to be our staff. And it's been just incredibly rewarding to watch the thousands of initiatives all around the world that our staff have put money into over the years. Everything from kind of local projects in local cities to make the city a little bit more beautiful to, you know, cancer treatment for somebody's mother to soccer kits for a kid's soccer team in Germany. But um, it's just really rewarding. And it's, it's causes that are near and dear to our staff. And I really like as well that it, uh, myself and Dan are able to deflect. We get lots of requests from charities all the time. And we just deflect it to our staff and say, our staff get to decide where the money goes. Uh, and as we've become a, a funded company two years ago, we've decided to keep that ethos going ahead. And I'm really actually happy that our main investor, our only investor, Briegel Milestone, um, they're an incredible company. And last year they reached out to us and they said, we want to give you 100,000 of our own money to give to good causes to support the work you do every year. And I thought that's incredible for you. Most VCs are in the mindset of just make money and it's make money at all costs, but they, they kind of operate differently. It's a family backed business and they really do care about making the world a better place as well.
We also, one of our values in teamwork is we choose kindness. And that's kind of kindness towards how we treat each other, um, kindness to how we treat our customers, kindness to how we treat the world. And we also say that you know anyone in the business can call anyone else out for not living our values. We also have a kind of unwritten value that is, uh, I reluctant to say, but don't be a dick. <laughs> and it's like anyone in the company can call anyone else out if you're violating that value. And that kind of sums everything up, really. But yeah, there's a couple of other things. Like I think, um, you know, we're based in Europe, we're in Ireland, but in general, I would like to see Ireland and the UK get more sassy. And what I mean by that is I'd love to see a lot more SaaS companies coming out of Ireland and the UK and taking on the world. I think we're smart, we're hardworking, we're English speaking, we're perfectly positioned. So we should be making an outsized impact. And we're not yet, but I think we can fix that. Wow, that makes me just want to work for you guys. <laughs> this is absolutely incredible. Yeah, fantastic company values to hear there. So, mm -hmm. um, I think that's really inspiring, isn't it? And, then, and uh, what I got from those, I don't know if you've got the same shot, is that you could tell you've sat in a room for a long time to actually get to values that aren't just words. They're not just the, the usual things that companies would say. Even I've seen, I've been in those meetings where we've done the same thing and gone, let's really get to the bottom of these and find out and still not got to something that's more than a word that really actually carries some weight behind it and carries through into what you're actually doing. So fantastic yeah. to hear that. Exactly. You remind me there, Max. Um, I remember a new member of staff actually sent me a chat message and she said, um, you know, when I first joined the company, I thought your values were just words, marketing words on paper. And um, I was amazed by this thing we did that you guys actually live your values. And I thought that was really cool. We try. I mean, no company always gets it right, but they're codified and we aspire to live up to these values. We every single time we're in front of cost, oh, not customers, sorry, our staff, every single time we're in front of our staff, we go through the values. So they are sick of hearing these values, but we hire and we fire and we try to live to these values every day. You can really tell. Fantastic to hear again and really inspiring to hear the the journey and how, how you've got to this um, stage, but kept refining as well and kept looking at what you've been doing and looking at how you can learn and progress from that to get to the, the latest iteration, and, and but keep going as well. Um, have you got any final thoughts or final comments to make for our listeners, maybe for people that are hoping one day to get to, to where you are? Um, look, if you want to start your entrepreneurial journey, it's never you're never too late to start, right? It is hard work. Um, I would very much recommend getting the best possible co-founder you can. And that's, that is actually a really tricky thing to do. I think I got very lucky with Dan because that journey it can be really difficult and you're going to have highs and lows. And I think having somebody you trust and somebody you can just vent to and somebody you know who has your back um, is really powerful. So I, I would start there. Also, the world is littered with opportunity. There is opportunity all around you. Anyone can be a millionaire. Anyone can be a multimillionaire. Just seize those opportunities. I think you could have you could build a great um, entrepreneurial career just by taking ideas from one continent and bringing them to another continent and literally just do that all day long. There, there's endless opportunities all around you, but it just takes uh, focus. And also one of the things I see a lot of uh, entrepreneurs not doing is um, pivoting, right? 
give yourself that red line. You know, we're going to have our first customer by Christmas. If you don't have your first customer by Christmas, maybe you'll extend the red line. But if you don't have the red line by January, maybe it's time to pivot the business. If you pivot, 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 pivot enough, there's loads of opportunity out there and you will be successful eventually. Fantastic. Inspiring journey. Thanks so much. Thank you so much, Peter, for your time and especially also to our listeners for, for joining us. And we look forward to having you next time with us. Thanks again, Peter. My pleasure, guys. Thank you. Thank you for joining us on this enlightening episode of the Global Business Insights Podcast. Stay tuned for more inspiring stories and valuable insights that will continue to guide and uplift you on your journey.